0: Hi, my name is Sean Keys, and on this week's guest, uh... I'm money back from camping and my fucking head is all over the place. I'd love to say I'm all professional, but my head is mitered from camping. Um, this week's guest is uh, Emily Highfield from Australia. She has a band called Soul Dusk, but um, more importantly, she has BPD, which is really what this podcast is all about. And um, so hopefully she'll be on today and we're going to have a little chat and see What's it like for her with BPD? And um, yeah, this is this is. Um, if I'm stumbling or stuttering or anything like this throughout the podcast, it's because I was just back from a three-day uh, camping trip, and um, fucking head is in a hip. <laughs> my head is in a heap. I'm not going to deny it. My head is all over the place, completely out of my routine. So hi- Emily's coming on now, so we'll have a little chat. Emily, how are you?
1: I'm very well. Sean, how are you?
0: I'm not fucking well. I'd love to say I'm well, but I'm not well. I'm only oh. back. From, I'm only back from a three-day camping trip. We're uh, camping, so uh, if I'm stumbling <laughs> or muttering, I'm probably going to curse more today. It's seven o'clock in <laughs> the morning. There. Um, I yeah. I was. I was going through my phone, and I was just like, cause my head, my head is officially gone. I'm not cured. Um. I know I'm saying I'm cured it happens it happens it was, no I didn't do anything so thankfully but I was going through my phone this morning and I was like jeez I'm fucking tired oh I'm fucking oh. And I, went to bed, I went to bed at I went to bed at 9 o'clock last night and I woke at 6 and I went oh that's great now I'm getting back into my routine and I was just going through you know putting stuff up on Facebook or whatever like I do every morning and my brain just went You might want to check your Zooms just in case you have a podcast. And this was like 10 to 7. And I looked up and went, oh, sweet, divine fucking Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm all professional. (laughs) You're awesome. You're awesome. Well done. All professional.
0: Um, I start crying through this podcast. Don't pass any heed of me. It's not about me. It's about
1: you. So anyway. (laughs) All good. All good. This is this is a safe space, Sean. A safe safe space.
0: I'm very emotional today. I'm very emotional. (laughs) Um anyway, listen, let's it's not about fucking me. Uh do you want to give us a little backstory about yourself? And you can share as much or as little as you want.
1: Uh yes. So I'm Emily and um I came across Sean's um podcast and i straight away just I I I loved your honesty and um at that point I'd just been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder I've had it I think I've had it all my life so um yeah I'm I'm successful in a societal way like I'm a musician I'm a uh, mother. I'm a, a trained lawyer. I'm, um, I used to be a fitness trainer. I, I've done all these things, but nice. in my interpersonal interpersonal relationships, oh, failure. Two two marriages down. The gurgler um, friendships always rocky. Um, so there was something wrong. There was definitely yeah. something wrong with me, and I didn't know what. And until I got diagnosed uh, about two years ago, ooh, year and a half ago. The missing piece of the puzzle yeah. appeared, and I went. That's why this happens and this happens. All the traits. Uh, I'd say mo- I satisfied most of the criteria. I did, but I'm been in recovery now, and I and I love the way that you approach this issue because you you believe in recovery, and there's a lot of people that don't, and mm-hmm. I do. So I think awareness and informing yourself support through information like your podcast and and health the way you talk about your diet and basic shit you know diet and sleep and um, your environment you know these which things
0: I, are I did which I will add in the last couple of days I didn't get I didn't get pro- like so deep that like I suppose this is why I'm in a fucking hair today I didn't get on my <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: I didn't feed me good bacteria the last couple of days. They got burgers and chips.
1: Yeah. We need, we need, we need, we need to um, regulate our bodies within, and it yeah. helps us to regulate our minds and can be in the driver's seat. That's the way <laughs> I see it. In the past, I don't think like i i think people with uh borderline personality disorder it's like you're not in the driver's seat something else is and when you yeah i i think that do it you know what you're talking about the sugar i mean sugars it's going to make you go up and down it's going to exacerbate any issues that you've got and heighten them like any substance you know when you've got enough dysregulation going on you don't want to add fuel to the fire so yeah that's that's, that's a big thing bad. so yeah. so that's kind of that's my background I mean I can delve into it a bit but yeah, that's roughly where I'm at
0: now I introduced you fully it you know uh, your full name is that okay uh, when I of was started, okay okay let's so go just in case I had to edit it out I can edit for those who think I'm lazy um I can completely edit. I just don't bother. I love pure and all raw, like raw honesty. I love raw honesty. Um, so you, you have BPD. I would imagine um, we were all born hypersensitive. Like I was on um, on a radio show the other day in Ireland, and um, you know he said to me, oh, "And I did come from a lot of trauma." So do you think it, your trauma caused it? And I just went, "No." You know, and I suppose I. <laughs> It's, it's on the radio show why, I suppose I'll tell people that are listening now why. The reason I don't blame my trauma for BPD is this. There's fucking eight of us in our family. How come I didn't get a partner? I should have got one more that we could kind of join off as BPD going, fuck ye the rest, we two of us have BPD, we're going to wreck the place. There's only me. And on and, and either side of me, right, my younger brother, legend, Highly moral. Extremely good family man. Has his own business. He's a fucking paramedic. Um, He doesn't get into trouble. Never really drank much. Never smoked. Then you have me. Lunatic. Fucking nightmare as a child. Done everything that I said he didn't do. Um, probably why he fucking didn't do it. <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. Um, but either way, and then my sister, the far side, has her own business. You know, fairly stable enough human being. Um, so that's just either side of me. That's why I said no, because how come they didn't get it? How come any of the rest of I me? You know,
1: I, I've, I'm 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 a firm believer that it's um, there's there's a few elements that hmm. happen for someone. It's it's a perfect storm for some people. Yeah. I think that that for me it was definitely, I definitely believe having a mother who was a narcissist, is a narcissist, and we've talked about this too and our different approaches to this, and I'd love to touch on this a bit further later, but I think uh, there was a lot of invalidating going on and there was a lot of cruelty, let's say. It Mm. it was emotional cruelty and a lot of uh, psychological violence that happens and yeah. i think when you pair, when you've got a, an individual who's also biologically predisposed because on my father's side there's heaps of suicides and all sorts of hey. like deep shit going on there and a lot of people taking their lives and he's never been okay like he's always struggled hmm. so there's that there's my mother and that environment so there's bio- biology there's the the um, behavioural stuff you're exposed to as a child. And there's a sensitivity as well. And I think that there's certain people that are more um, prone to, um, to pick up this disorder as a trauma response because their, their coping mechanisms aren't strong. You know, they haven't been given skills at a young age And so they're they're responding in they're sorry they're reacting to life they're not they're not in the driver's seat they don't have the skills and I think that's it's a perfect storm for some people and I think I was one of those people I don't know my brother's the same as you know your your siblings like he's very stable he's very grounded instead of going into yeah I know instead of um being in in uh hyper um, arousal and yeah. like being, you know, totally ir- dysregulated. He's gone into a hypo arousal. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of almost, almost dead, almost dead. And is, he he's, he's, is he younger? younger than you? He's, he's he's two years older than me, but he's coped yeah. very differently. Yeah. And um, you know, it is it is what it is. Everyone, I mean, there's different reasons. I think there's also variables that we don't even know yet. I think mm-hmm. that why do some people get it and why why do some people don't? But it's, it's
0: good that you're not a victim. It's no, I think it's just a look at a draw from, from everything I read on, or listen um, on, on the human body and, and stuff like that. It's literally, this is not science what I'm going to say next. It's my version of listening to what the human body does. So when you're having a baby, the bacteria and everything else in there go, quick, 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 change it around. And then they give you a person. And then the next time a person comes out to go, don't make that one again, because we've already made that one, change it up a little, just in case there's something wrong with that one. And then at least, yes. one. At least one survives. So the bacteria and the human body, when they're kind of having a little board meeting in the woman, um, kind of agree to make sure every child has a different personality. Just so one survives. They're not really worried about personality disorders. They're worried about procreation. Um, So I think that's it. And, and, you know, in fairness to my mother, she gave it eight shots. So there's a fair amount of us out there. Um, (laughs) You know, you're always going to get one, aren't you? 12% as I do call it. I'm 12% of a family. Um, You know, so 12% isn't too bad. She only got 12% wrong. But I see it with my kids. I see it with my kids. I could line up my three children. I could say the exact same words in the same tone. And one of my children will be highly offended by it. And... It's just the way it goes. Now, as you it said, is. yeah, as you said, it's different with, with, with this particular child, you kind of have to make sure, you know, and come back. I come back. I'm going to be honest. I come back. Not a lot because I don't do it a lot, but at the same token, um, when I make a mistake, you know, and I do make mistakes. You come back, I come back to this particular, I come back to them all, but I make it my business to come back to this particular child and go, Look, I'm sorry for saying that. I didn't actually mean them words. So I don't believe you're this. I was very stressed at the time and I'm tired. And sometimes when people get tired, they might say something they don't mean. And you can see the little smile on their face where I'm acknowledging that I fucked up again. Um, now, the other two wouldn't give a shit. You know yeah. what I mean? You wouldn't give a shit to just ah fuck him. He's mad in the head. That fella, he get on with it. So, one thing I noticed about our rearing in our family is we all got one rearing, and did it, you, you either fucking this is what you got, and whoever <laughs> it suited someone, it didn't suit some, um, didn't suit me. But that's the difference, I suppose, is that when you're rare, I know when I'm rearing our three children, I have to I have to be a parent to them three different children differently that's what i notice
1: definitely i and i have got two girls and it's the same thing with both of them i see one's very in, she internalizes a lot and the yeah. other one's very overt very vocal she tells you what she's feeling all the time so okay. they're very different and so their experience of the world is is different but i, I love what you do like when you when you know this which you do, you do the repair work with your child. That's a bit more sensitive. You do the, you you own it, which is something I don't think our parents' generation they didn't. <laughs> there was no such thing as mental health. There was no such thing oh as o- owning owning your mistakes hmm. as an adult. You were, you know, an adult and shut the fuck up, kid. You know, you you are a kid. And that's your place in the world. There was none, there was none of this emotional intelligence that we have that we can now help our children and say, you know, there's this feeling that you've got is called blah blah blah. And they know how to name their their emotions. And I think my girls knew how to name frustration from a young age I said oh you're feeling frustrated aren't you Mm -hmm. and they'd be saying that to me at three and four they'd be I'm frustrated and I'd be like okay well what can we do about that but I I was very grateful to finally I had a nervous breakdown I didn't say that bit Hmm. I had a nervous breakdown about two years ago after I left my second husband I went I'm a fuck up there's something wrong with me and um and I don't think I was being a good mother at that point. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's when I that's when I would be. I'd go from, um, I'd go from dissociate. I was totally dissociated, Sean. I was mm. spaced out, like in my own world. And music was the only thing that made me happy. I'll just do music, and everything else is treading water until I get to my safe space of music which yeah. is very imbalanced. You're a mother and you're a housekeeper and a wife and you're trying to have all these relationships with people. And then I was very, very disconnected. And when I left the marriage, I then just descended and got very suicidal very, very quickly because I didn't know what I'd done, why I'd done that. He wasn't a bad guy, but I felt oh, not okay. I was not okay. I was. There was something... Not okay about me, and I I didn't like myself. I didn't know who I was. I, yeah. So unfortunately, I had to go through that nosedive, and then I went to see a GP because I was struggling to keep myself alive. Basically, saying um, my children were the only thing keeping me alive because I knew the statistics of parents that end up unaliving themselves. The children have a 50% chance of doing the same thing. And I I just went, why would I do that to them? I'd rather be alive and limping emotionally than, and impaired Mm. and keep myself alive and try and get myself out of this black hole. And then, you know, we had the lockdowns here in Melbourne, which got very extreme. I was going through marriage separation. I had a nervous breakdown. I was, Co-parenting struggled struggle in every aspect of my life, and um, yeah, it was very difficult. But I went to see a GP, and she said to me, "We need to get you to a psychiatrist. There's got to be there's got to be something we can assess here." And it was a couple of psychiatrists who uh, assessed me after a couple of heavy sessions, and then um, they came up with borderline, and I, that's when everything fell. Into place. I went, okay, I can work with this diagnosis because I'd been seeing counselors on and off all my life. And I'd be like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And oh, you're just unhappy, or just this, or just that. And I'd be throwing money at these people and they wouldn't give me anything to work with. Or like a diagnosis is a good thing, I say to people. There's a lot of people that are very uh, o- overwhelmed by the diagnosis and they don't know what to do with it. But yeah. for me, it's empowering. It's so empowering because you see dissociation. That's That was a thing for me. And then as soon as I researched it and read about it, listened to podcasts like yours, understood, understood things better, mm-hmm. then it gave me some leverage to try and work out why it happened, how it happens, how not for it to happen. And I started doing dialectical behavior therapy as well. And I'm still doing that. I'm halfway through the group therapy and it's changing my life. So, yeah. So, and I'm becoming a better mother just to, just to, you know, round off my little yeah. spiel there. I'm becoming a better mum because I'm present. I'm present and I don't fly off the handle and go from zero to a hundred. And, um, I just have I, I can have better relational connecting with everyone and that that's especially important for kids because I don't want to fuck up my you know opportunity with them and then they'll say piss off lady to me later they'll say <laughs> I don't want to borrow you, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're on borrowed time. What's that?
0: I said with kids are on borrowed time.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Put the time in, then will so, do it. Yeah. Time back, yeah. And yeah, you see, that's it. It's all about understanding your own mindset. You know, that's the thing. Like, I... I, what, Did I fuck up yesterday? I did. I did fuck up. I was extremely quiet, like way beyond my comfort zone as well. I ended up yesterday walking away from a meal. Right? I was... Oh. That, I, like... The kids were acting out. We were coming home. We, we were trying to get something to eat on the way home. Now, here's a couple of things I hate. The sun, it's fucking roasting in Ireland at the moment, right? I can't handle the heat. I'd melt in Australia, or I'd be a killer. <laughs> Either one or the other. Um, it's really, really hot this week. Uh, not getting proper sleep, camping. Um, Not getting a proper diet, camping. Eating processed food. Camping. Um on our way home, we were trying to get something to eat. And every we went to three places and they were all not serving because they were in between the hotels were in between getting ready for the main meal that night or whatever. And by the time by the time we found a place, right, I I was running on fumes. And the kids were doing what the kids do, which is act up and there were people were trying to oh yes. And um I just literally went, I'm going back to the car. I'm not having a meal. And I went back and sat in the car and, you know, Emma came down. She goes, look, the meal is out. And I'm, no, no, I'm done. No way. I'm done. I said, no, no way. I'm done. Good luck. I had to walk away. I had to walk yeah. away. I just said, I, and that, I can't stop them. Too feel. long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I just got up. I just walked. And. And the, when the kids came back to the car, they said, sorry, daddy. I says, no, 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 it's too much. You were acting, you are messing too much. You are messing too much, you know? And then like there's, you know, it's the next day. My brain is back. It's about 70% of him being honest. I can, I can internalize it and go, sure. They're tired too. You know, but it's not about them when I'm tired. It's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. so i said to yeah. him last night i says look i know we don't do this that's not happening again like there's no way are we spending fucking four hours coming home and you know searching for food when a takeaway would see a takeaway would get me over the hump you know the type of way oh yeah she wanted a proper meal um uh, yeah, and I will reschedule. Now, here's why I'm telling the story. Um, I will relook look at that again when I'm at my full energy. And then yeah. the next time we go away, I will plan it and go, right, you had nothing left. Where well, I literally had to walk away. Now, we were outside and all that because um, I can't go inside because I'm not vaccinated, so I'm not allowed inside restaurants. Um, so I just literally walked to the car. But at the same time, it's not something you want to be doing when you're having a meal, is to just walk away and go, Look, that's me. No, I can't stop you messing, but I can remove. And I suppose that's the one thing I'm proud of. There is my teachings. I couldn't stop my children messing, bar I fucking killed them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't stop them messing. Um, so I just removed myself. I literally went back to the car and I sat there, and that was it. Um, I could do that, but yeah. So there's the perfect point about BPD and all that. In the sense of, there you go. There's my recovery. In the sense of, you can't allow the mind, not eat good food, not get too overly tired. I'm gonna have to reassess everything to make sure when we look, because we probably won't do the camping again. If I'm being honest, yeah. right? Probably won't do the camping again. I'm going to, as I says, to Emma, um, I need my blender with all my fibres. I need like, and it's food, so it's not like I need my medication and it's no problem if you are medicated, anyone listening. But I need to have my structure for me to be okay because the fucking willpower it took for me to walk away yesterday was unreal to actually stand up and go, I'm just going to go to the car. Because inside, I wanted to fucking kill them. I wanted yeah. to fucking kill them. And I'm not going to, like, you know, I did. I was like, I'll fucking kill you. I want to get a fucking I, yeah, i yeah, And I was yeah. there going, oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I could feel it. I went, okay, you need yeah. to go. No, I'm not going. I'll fucking kill them. No, you need to go. Now, off you go. Thanks very much for coming. It was great. fantastic. <laughs> See you later. I'll go fucking nowhere. I'm going to fucking drag them around the place. They're the ones acting out, not me. Yeah, you're the adult. Fuck off. Back to the car. <laughs> so I had to fuck off. Back oh, yeah. To but I mean, it takes. Well know,
1: done.
0: Well, well the done. thing about me is, I wouldn't give a fuck who was there if I was triggered. Like another couple of minutes, and I was going to be triggered into me the prick version, as I do say, and I wouldn't give a fuck who was there. If fucking the Dalai Lama was there, I would drag him in. Oh with yeah. Me. Um. So thankfully, I knew to just remove myself. And the point I'm making with this is in your story. I'll apologize to the kids later on about all of that because they're just doing what they're doing, which is being a kid. You know, that's all they're doing. I just couldn't handle it as the parent. So that's my point, a big, rap, a big fucking spiel as to what you're saying. But it, I don't expect to get it right as a parent. I don't want to get it right. Because if my children. Yeah. No, I don't want my kids growing up going. I don't know why I'm like this. Dad was perfect. What sort of a fucking prick would I be? I want to be a fuck up. I want the kids to go. Jizzy was a mad bastard. But like he always came back and apologized. And you could you could tell he meant it. You could because I'm not going to come back and apologize and then be a mad bastard tomorrow or today. yeah. So- I will sit down with them today and I will explain my case. I'll explain why I walked away from the meal. I'll explain that although it wasn't acceptable for what they did, you know, spitting out drinks, which is what kids do. Um, you know, at the same time, my response to it was something that, right, okay, fair enough for people with BPD. I removed myself. Nothing happened. Well, not exactly great for my wife that I stand up and walk away from a fucker meal, like, you know, the type of way. So I have to recalculate all that. And, and, and that's the whole point of all of this is
1: we're having. A oh, chance. yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's
0: not fucking perfect. You're not perfect. But we should be able to hash it out. You know,
1: I think that there's so many elements of what you did that were admirable because I, that's something that is very present in my mind at the moment about walking away mm. because that is a, a way to cope when you can feel your body getting activated and you're going into that fight or flight. You, and it's it's a, it's an actual physiological flooding of your cortisol. Like it, everything's just... And for us, you know, we... We are physical people. A lot of BPD people are very, we're physical. Uh, We feel things everywhere, not just a little bit, but a lot. And so being able to sense that you're about to blow like a volcano is is very admirable. You removed yourself. In situations like that, walking away is the only way to deal with that. And yes, it's not ideal, but you have something that, makes you get triggered and your emotional reaction is so um, over the top that you need to do something to to deal with that so walking away was the ideal option and it's happened with me recently like I haven't I've been estranged from my parents for a few years Um, they were very upset I come from a very traditional Greek background and they were very upset they're like we're humiliated um, you've left. This is this is your second marriage, and you've left this poor guy. And um, I was the evil one that embarrassed everybody. Hey. So in the end, there was nothing about what's wrong with you. Are you yeah. sick? And so I just went. I oh, just I don't want to deal with them, and they didn't want to deal with me, and that was the end of it. But four weeks ago, my father had a stroke, nice. and um, I I was I jumped back into the family fold, boots and all. I just went. Yeah. I'm going to, I have to be there for him bygones, bygones, whatever, whatever this is life threatening now. So I jumped in and was the main person liaising with him and the nurses and everything. And meanwhile, I've got my mother making it all about her always about her as narcissists do. Right. That's just,
0: that's part of their illness. You know,
1: that's part of their illness, but when it presents as okay, people with borderline, we are, we are, we present as high conflict people. We we do, but narcissists do as well. Narcissists and borderlines together—that's a match made in hell. So yeah, yeah, having, yeah. having a mother who, like, constantly she was triggering me constantly, constantly, and I just went, okay, I'm just going to let it all go. See her as you know, have compassion for her. Now that I can have compassion for myself, which yeah. I never had before, I'm like, okay. I can see her, she's not well, she's dependent, she's a pain in the ass, but I'm gonna like be there for her as much as I can. And then it reached a point, Sean, where uh, he's had to go back to hospital, have open heart surgery. And um, I'm sitting there, I've had lunch with her and my children are there and she's just blindsided me. The way that people with narcissistic personality disorder can do. Because the problem with that disorder is there's no insight and there's no willingness to have insight. Hmm. So she just kind of, she basically went, launched an assault on me, on everything that I hold dear. My, you know, I shouldn't have had children. Um, I'm to blame for my father's illnesses and my brother's blood pressure. Everything, (laughs) you know, like I should have, I haven't done this. I didn't do that. Everything. It was every, it was like, Again, here we go. Psychological violence out of the blue. Yeah. In front of the children, in front of the kids. And I could feel my body doing what your body was doing. I can feel myself just getting Mm -hmm. activated and the trembling starts, which is a new presentation for me. I'm, like, going like this. And I'm going, I I can't. I I turned around to to her and I said, I'm unwell. And I was screaming at her in Greek, actually. I was screaming, I'm unwell. And I just gathered my girls and left because I just went, I can't, what can I do? In the past I would have reacted, Mm. screamed at her like abuse, tried to bring her down and there would be no repair. There'd be just leaving in anger
0: Mm.
1: and more damage, more damage there, more damage here. And I just went, and, and then I asked the group therapy on, the couple of days later I said I I had to remove myself and they said you know that's sometimes the only option when you're so um, flooded with those chemicals you have to you have to remove yourself now I have to navigate this issue with my mother who triggers me (laughs) so much more than anyone because unfortunately NPD presents as cruelty it's just it's like being bitten by a rabid dog. That's the way I say it. It's like you're bitten and you, it just comes out of nowhere. And you go, what did I do? And it's a form of psychological violence. And when you think, okay, we're no walk in the park, but I would say that people with borderline, it's almost like a, a, a reactive disorder. It's not happened because, um, you know, like it's out of the blue. It's, it's we react to things and it's about learning how to respond mindfully to things. That's a, that's part of the recovery, and that yeah. sounds like what you've been doing is responding and going. I'm fucking. I'm about to fucking crack it, and I need to leave. And I think that's admirable because the other option would have been a million times worse. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. but no, even with your, you know, with your mother. Yeah, people with MPD—they're just like I look at them differently nowadays. Because with my own mother, I had to look at her in a sense because it's just constant. It's just constant. Now my mother's not the worst in the world, as in like you know she will help you and stuff like that. Like if you're if you've no food or money, she'll do her best to help you. It's just emotionally, it's just not really much there with them. Um. But again, I do stress, you know, you know, my grandmother was born in nineteen twenty-nine. Um my mother was born in nineteen forty seven. Time of war, you know, and you know, you're you're rearing children in a time of war. Um and and there was no compassion. It was I mean, from the books I'm even some of the books I'm listening to there where Australia is in the Pacific War. And your and his friend has been blown apart, and he's and his friend is like, What well, well, am I okay? And he's he's clearly not okay, and his mate's going, Ah, you'll be grand. You'll be having you'll be having tea tomorrow. Because that's all they could do. So they made a joke about everything. They made a joke about trauma. So that generation joked about the most horrific things. Come on up, brother. get up out there. here. There's nothing wrong with you. They couldn't say, Oh, jeez, John, I don't think you're going to make this. So the mindset of that time was, come on up to fucking, get on with this. You'll be fucking, we have a war to win. You have to be shooting again tomorrow. No one too well is going to die. So because of the trauma at the time, you had children being reared with people who either came back from war, or I know in Ireland, some of some people went to war, even though we're a neutral country. But at the same token, the world, look at COVID at the moment, the world has changed through trauma um, and the mindset is different. So unfortunately that generation were very much, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, you have emotions? Are you for fucking real? The shit I had to do? I had to fucking wash clothes with no fucking washing machine. You have a yoke that spins around and you think you're doing the washing. I had to fucking wash them off a fucking handboard. My mother used to have to wash them off the handboard and used to have to walk a yeah i remember that I water, you know and you see when they look at us no more than we look i'll be honest with you i'm i don't know about you i know what me you're kind of looking at your kids going fucking hell if i had your life i'd run a fucking planet never mind the country you know the type of way <laughs> so <laughs> like the life i grew up with and the life my children grew up with is I think they're getting about 5% of what I got, roughly, if that. I have to give it some sort of percentage, about 5%. And you do look at them and go, for fuck's sake, Jesus Christ, I had to do this, 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 and that's just natural. And you do have, but that generation did have an awful lot of hardship. They didn't have a chance to be all lovey-dovey. They didn't have a chance to sit down and play and go, hey, let's have a little look at this and see where your emotions are. Because it was so fucking rough for them. And it's just... Survival. Survival. And then our generation is... um, Look, you know what I mean? Mobile phones, technology, did none of that. um, Quality of life. I mean, even today, you know, when we were growing up, we had cow's hearts, which are a specialty now. But the roof of your mouth was full of fucking fat. Where you'd be licking the roof of your mouth for a couple of hours afterwards, <laughs> like someone with false teeth going on and your friends will be like, what's wrong with you? fucking <laughs> <wrong with> around <laughs> like this? Trying to clean off the fat off the roof of your mouth. <laughs> because we would nothing else. It was basically the cheapest amount of meat. As it turns out, when I looked up our diet, pretty fucking good diet, <laughs> right? We didn't Absolutely. have any, we didn't have Absolutely. any Yeah, so we didn't have the money to buy processed foods back then. We didn't. We I don't think we got, I don't think cornflakes came into our house until I was 16 or 17 years of age. It was just Weetabix, wheat, one ingredient, wheat, um, or boiled egg. So you had them options for breakfast. But when you look at it now, really good food. Absolutely. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have it. Do you know something? I'll tell you this, because it is something in my head. When I was a child, and I was sent off quite a lot down to my aunties because I was so troublesome as a child. My auntie would, we'd bring her into a grocery store and she'd be doing her weekly shopping and she'd say, you could pick one thing out, right? Do you know Kellogg's Frosties? Do you know the cornflakes that have sugar on them, right? I would pick a box of Kellogg's Frosties because we never had them. You're talking a seven, six-year-old child, right? And I would eat them without milk because they were like a full box of sweets, which I never really got. Clever little bastard it was um oh yeah i had them all weekend It was fantastic i used to always pick the frosties (laughs) one of my fondest memories growing up as a child picking a box of fucking kellogg's frosties now here's my point if i said to our kids well actually they probably would because they don't get it either if i said to our kids you can pick a box of kellogg's frosties no our kids probably would because they don't i don't give them (laughs) um I must buy them a box of Kellogg's Frosties and see what's their response um, because it was such a big deal for me. But at the same time, our kids get sweets. Our kids get like there is sweets in the house and they do get them. We didn't get that growing up. So like our, I when I'm looking back at my parents, I'm looking at a man born in 1941, a woman born in 1947. Extreme trauma, the two of them. Extreme. Now, you know, I do say this to my sisters and, you know, my brothers, just put yourself in their situation. It doesn't matter. You could be the man or the woman. It wouldn't matter. In our parents, add in eight children, add in moi <laughs> into the mix because I was a fucking nightmare, right? Add in me with the air kids. How well would you do? And you just wouldn't. I would be... I'd be booking in for a mental home job going, listen, never mind letting me out. I'm going to stay here. It's only 700 euros a year to stay in a mental hospital for life in Ireland. And the state will pay it for you. I'd be like, book me in, hey, children. So I have to look at that and go, because you know the way as a parent, right? I know as a parent, I'm going to be a fucking legend. And then you're not. And, you know, I don't really go the- <laughs> It's so true, though, isn't it? I don't get into it, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you up for the cunt that you are.
1: Yeah.
0: I know. I don't try and show my parents up because I can't compare it. When I went to look at it, I wasn't born in a time of fucking trauma. I was born in the late 70s. I was born in the sense of wham. We had wham, you know? They were born into fucking shit. So... If I want to kind of judge my parents, I have to be able to look at their life and go, "How well would I cope?" And I've scaled both of my parents. I wouldn't survive what they went through. As a, as a, like I have three children. Three children is pretty deep. It's pretty deep. Like you're, you're scratching the back of your head quite a lot with three children. To keep the cortisol levels down, you're trying to slap the back of the head to push the cortisol back down. Going, don't. <laughs> it's not the time. You know,
1: I, I agree with you, but I, mm. I think you're very forgiving. I think you're very forgiving because the one thing, because I've, I've thought the same myself, Sean. Yeah. I, my parents were economic refugees. They came from Greece. They were born around the same time as your parents. So yeah, they've, yeah. they've come all the way from Greece and they were very poor. They grew up in a village. Mm. Um, mental health, no such thing. There's emotions, emotional health, forget it. Um, but I, I, there is one thing though, cause I, I used to have a lot of, um, give on that point. I'd say, well, yeah, they had a, they had a shitty rough time. My father didn't wear shoes until he was six or seven. So right. I know that he, he was a street kid in Athens. I don't know what happened to him when he was growing up. He was, he had a lot of trauma. I get all that, but yeah. there's one thing that I can't, that always is a bit of a stumbling block for me. And mm. that's kindness because when you, when you lose it with your kids, you know how to do repair because you know that it's, it's, a, it's the kind thing to do because yes. what happens if you don't do the repair with your kids is they internalise it and yeah. they start to think daddy's pissed off with me or, you know, it, they, they don't see the, that it's the behaviour. So they'll internalise it and they'll say daddy's pissed off at me, I am shit. And they'll start to carry that with them going, I'm a shit person. I say to my girls, it's not, it's not what you, you, you." I go, it's that thing that you said, it's very mean spirited. And that sort of behavior is not something that I want to roll with in this house. This house is a house of love and a house of kindness. So for me, my, because my brother and I are debating at the moment about the upbringing. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I said to him, and he raises a lot of what you did raise, and I said to him, "But what about kindness? You know, like that, that cuts through social, economic, intellectual. Kind is kind, and mm. when you treat a situation, when you put it, when you put kindness as a value into a situation, so much more can be achieved. But mm. I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's there was an element of cruelty that, yes, sure, they had trauma, but is it the right thing to do to just to unleash it onto your kids because you had all this trauma is that when you see your child i mean i one of the podcasts that made me just go whoa was the one about your father and about the the violence you know and we're going to get a bit heavy now trigger warning
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah yeah
1: that affected me i was weeping listening to that podcast of you talking about your father the level of compassion i've had for you and The the level of, I I was blown away by your compassion for him as well. And I just went, fuck, this guy's incredible. Because my father grew up in a house of domestic violence and he perpetrated it. He kept it going. It's what he knew.
0: As-minded. I mean... One of the weirdest things about like that, that podcast, I I only listened to that podcast last week because someone was talking about it. So I had to, and it's extremely fucking like I was listening to it and I had to turn it off going, I'm not going down there again. Like, cause it's not that I'm avoiding, it's not that I'm avoiding it. I have to, when I was doing that podcast, I had to go back and remember. And even your man on the radio said to me the other day, it's hard to remember, is it? I said, it kind of is, which is great. Yeah. It's hard to remember. So that's where I'm at. It's not like I'm trying to push it all down and I blanket my life on top of it because I know you're heading for a major fuck up if you do that. But with my father, he had an unnatural amount of trauma. And the one thing I'm grateful for him is this. When he got sick, he got sick in May. And it's mental. Out of us all, he wanted me. In a, Will you bring me up to the hospital? So I brought him up and... He got diagnosed and he was outside and he had his cigarette and look, you know, the doctor said, look, you've lung cancer. And uh, he goes, all right, okay." He wasn't much of a talker. I says, look, you know, you're going to have to live whatever life you want from now on. That's it. And that's the way I am. I'm extremely blunt. I'm all I've always been. But. So that was it. Now, I'll tell you one thing I did love about. Um, I love my parents. I do love them. They're fucking nightmares. One is dead, one is not. But they're fucking nightmares. There's no getting away from that. I don't sugarcoat it. But um, When he got to cancer, he says to me, <coughs> excuse me, will you cut me here? That's the way he talked. It was always very blunt, you know. Will you cut me here? I will, He says. And as I was shaving his head, I got this smell off him. And I loved it. I actually wrote a poem about it years ago. Um, because I got to embrace my father and it was lovely to actually embrace him. And I mean, I hugged my father. I think I hugged him once and he just shivered. He just, cause I'm a hugging type of person and I think I'll be me and you be you, but he just shivered. He literally shivered when I hugged him. But the one thing I'm really grateful is he died without apologizing. And I'm so grateful for that. It's unfucking natural that he died without apologizing. I'll tell you why. If he apologized on his deathbed, I probably would have killed him. I was like, no, you can fuck off. You had your chance. (laughs) Don't go fucking doing this shit while you're fucking dying. I have no respect. I have no respect. The one thing I loved about my father was his conviction. He bet the shit out of you, made you a boiled egg the next day, end of and even this morning when i got up because i was reflecting over the kids i was reflecting over my own children and i was i was i was kind of going yeah yeah this is this is like this is the shit that goes on inside my head as i was getting ready this morning i was like yeah oh yeah yeah kids yeah yeah fucking they've great stories oh dad this dad, dad they didn't tell you the bit beforehand when they were spitting the fucking drinks out across the table Oh, dad. Oh, my dad. Oh, my dad. Did it? And I was just reflecting it in my head going, yeah, you kind of do need to go. I went... Now, what I got from my father was over the top. I'm not going to say it was justified. He really abused us. But there was something I did. <laughs> he didn't walk in randomly and hit me. And re- I'm reflecting over that a lot lately. I'm not saying he was justified. Yeah. What was going on was not justified. He just wasn't I suppose, like me walking away yesterday, he would have dragged us around the place and bet the shit over, yeah. put us into the car, and then drove home, and then bet the shit over again for missing his meal, and then bet the shit over again, put us in bed, and then maybe if he'd still a little bit left after he came back, he would have bet the shit over us again. So that's the difference. Um, but the spitting of the drink would have been the trigger for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but but the it, liver, you have so much forgiveness. I mean, listen to you. You're incredible. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm still at the old, you know, um, because it's fresh in recovery and because I'm kind of going, there's got to be reasons for this and I don't want to be a victim and go, it was because my dad this and my dad that. And it's interesting that you mentioned this about your dad because my father a a month ago when he had the first stroke and I jumped in and I brought him home and he looked at me and he's had tears streaming down his face and He's, ne- he's never said anything like this. I mean, he'd never hugged me ever. And he said to me, I love you. I was a very bad father and I love you and I really love you. And there's tears down his face. And I said, it's okay, dad. It's okay. And there was part of me that had that 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 reaction that you're talking about. Part of me is like, fuck off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't want to hear it now. You know, I don't want to hear it. It's too late. No, but yeah. but I I wanted to rise above and I wanted to experience that moment. And mm. now, you know, my mother, he's going to live for another 10 years. So the poor fucker has got to live with my mother. Yeah. So <laughs> so good luck to him. But, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I, 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 it all makes sense. But I really, I do like the way that, because we talked briefly on Messenger about our, our mothers and you said she's just a mad, she's just a mad fucker and I just deal with her in that way. Mm. I'm still not at that point. I'm still very...
0: Yeah. You fucked
1: me up, lady, you know? <laughs>
0: look, yeah, again, the way I look at my mother is this. Like, she, I look at my mother with a sense of endearment and love. I do. Like, I, even though I'd say she's a mad fucker, I, she is. Cause she's, Like, I'm a mad fucker. She's a mad fucker. At the same token, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast without her. Um, She literally gave me life. You can't own, like, that's the greatest gift you can give a human being is life. What they do with it is up to them. And my mother and father gave me that gift. I respect that in a sense of going, I wouldn't be able to give out about them if they didn't do it. So, you know, and there was 400 trillion that got the chance and I met it. So sorry, guys. Um, but to the same I hear you. I hear
1: you. I hear you. And I admire it. And I want to be where you are. I want to. Yeah. I'm not quite there. I'm not quite there. I'm still going through it because it, because when, when I got the diagnosis, I went through, a, I, I am still going through like a griefing because my life would have been so different, you know, like I've achieved oh, all man, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. I've achieved so much. And yet when I look at my interpersonal, and I, and I admire you also for being a family man and having kids and, you know, like working on yourself and coming to some peace And also looking after your health and knowing how important it is to sleep and and to have a decent diet and exercise and all that good stuff. It's important, more important for some of us than others. I admire that. But for me, it's been a struggle in the emotional, in the emotional space. Uh, uh, What a struggle always. I think I might
0: have a slight answer. My sister rang me. Myself, I've been friends with my sister for about 26 years. And I say friends because you can't help who you're born into. But she's one of my best friends. um, Excuse me. Literally, she was on the phone one day to me. Now, she's my eldest sister, and she took the blunt of everything. But she said to me, you know, I never had a childhood. And she was grieving over the fact that she never had a childhood. And you see, I am the way I am. With this, with life, this is the way I am. There is no pretense. Um, and I said, no, you, and I was getting confused. And I was like, what do you mean? You didn't have a childhood. She goes like, I never got to do the things that children should do, like normal things like play and stuff like that. I was all his mind and ye, but she was. Um, my father was out drinking. My mother went out working.
1: She had to, uh,
0: oh, there it is. And um, she had to mind the rest of us. And again, I got confused and I went, you did have a, you did have a childhood. It was just shit. Yeah. And she goes, mm-hmm. what? I says, no, like, I, I can't calculate this in my head. I said, like, you did have a childhood. It was just a shit one. I said, like, mm. are you picturing? And see, this is where I don't suffer. I don't picture any other childhood in my head i look back upon it as that, that that was my childhood and it kind of took me a bit uh, back on because it was the first time i heard someone saying i go are you picturing some sort of alternative childhood in your head she goes yeah like i would have loved to be just been able to go and play with my friends and stuff like this so sure, why don't you fucking make yourself into a princess if you're going to go into fantasy you're just going to you are living a fantasy in your head where you just want to play with children and do what normal children do. And she goes, yeah, I fucked that. I'd make myself a fucking Arab princess and, you know, be driven around in a gold Mercedes. And she goes, what? I don't get you. This is you're making up something that didn't exist. And you're just going for the basics. Why not go for the whole lot and be a princess somewhere and live in a castle or whatever? You, I said, the reason I'm saying this is Every time you move away from what you've had, you're going into the world of fantasy, which is going to upset you because you're going, I wish I had this. I don't wish, like, childhood I had was shit. Full stop. I don't look at it and go, I could like, I'll be honest with you, right? I have a mindset. I'd probably run a country if I had normal enough parents right i probably my mind is mental in what it does for calculations but i don't look at that and go i could have ran it i could have i could have been extremely successful or blah 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 in life i just go no sure that's that's what you got like when you're looking for something this is what you have but my mindset's like that my mindset goes that's good.
1: That's good. No, no, because one of the one of the traits of borderline which I've struggled with and you're touching on which is acceptance of reality as it is. And I think that's why I have suffered for such a long time because there was part of me that like your sister I went into escape land in my head. I'm like why do I have the the wicked the wicked stepmother? Where's my real mother? You know, I, that's what I'd be thinking when I when, when I had her being cruel to me yet again and I'd be like why can't and even part of me now is like you didn't you failed you failed as a mother you didn't do the basic stuff and part of it is not accepting well I've got this this uh woman who's very impaired Uh, what do I do with this unfortunately presents with cruelty what can I do with this and accepting it like and I think that you don't seem to have that um that trait so much you're very accepting of this is the way it is and oh, yeah. this is what I got. Well, the
0: way I look at it is this. Like Emma is a fucking fantastic woman. That's the truth. Like that's just she is a great woman. Um but I look at my life in a very black and white way. Now I do love my mother. I I look she, did she fucking you know, as I was flying over, did she knock me from the sky a couple of times and fucking tailspin me turd? If I was in it, she done that many, 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 many times. The last time she done that to me was a couple of years ago, where completely caught me off my guard, rejected me, and you know I was in rejection. Doesn't go down well. And she ta- she didn't tailspin me. She, I nosedived and crashed, right? I picked myself up and I went, I need to fucking learn about this illness. I listened to four books back to back on narcissistic personality disorder. Literally, ah. I took down notes. I could literally send to every one of them right now on my phone. I studied it. I went, I need to fucking learn about this disorder because there's no point in saying somebody has something and then not accepting that they have something. You know what I mean? If you're going to call someone narcissistic you have to accept that they're narcissistic well it's
1: it's so true so true because because i'm saying that to people i'm saying i've got this disorder and i'm seeking for them to understand me and yet Mm. i find it difficult to do that for her because hers is is very uh, jarring (laughs) our disorder is sexier sean okay ours is sexier
0: (laughs) you said jarring in ireland we say contish um yeah. so don't be- <laughs> this
1: is this is this podcast is only for over 18s
0: yeah that's all is the way it's i it.
1: i have to leave soon because i'm getting the old you know come on nobody, up there and-
0: well look what i will say is this i'll say this to you um if your mother has mpd learn about mpd yes john I'm, I'm actually going to send you on the list because if they have all these things, and this is what is, and the list is horrific. When like I, I, I done it. I four bucks in. I studied it. I studied it. Yeah. So if yeah. your mother has it, and be the better person. Yes, she can't yeah. hug. We can hug. They can't. Does that mean we shouldn't hug? You know, if we have BPD, we're the emotional ones. I am myself. Sa- now, hugging my mother at times can be like hugging a cactus. The stronger you squeeze, the more you get hurt. That's just the reality of nice. it.
1: Nice. Right? Love her.
0: So, but I'm prepared to be hurt because I want my children to hug my, my wife. All my, i let you go with this. Did you call over to your mother? No. Why not? Did you call to yours? Yes, I did. Did you give your mother a kiss today? No. Why not? Did you give your mother a kiss today? Yes, I did. Do You see what I'm doing? Mm, mm. We are a species that leads by actions, not words. To lead by, example.
1: yeah.
0: You want, your yeah. T- I want my children to respect my wife. I need to do. I need to act that way, mm. regardless of what she has. How I act around my mother, I want my children to act around my wife.
1: Yes, very, very wise, um, very forgiving, very kind. I mean, if I'm going to say you need to be kind to me, and I've got this disorder because you are cruel, mm. then I need to lead. I need to lead with that kindness. And I think you're absolutely right. I need to do at least the study that you know, like inform myself. Know what the hell is it that I'm dealing with? The way that people who who are now in my life, not many. But they've read up and listened to podcasts about borderline to understand me. I need to do that for her. And I hear, I hear where you're coming from. And you're nice. a fine human being, Sean. You're I a hope, fine human being. Oh God, will <laughs> let me go to
0: heaven someday. I don't
1: <laughs> you're you're amazing. And and I love I love your your tangent of on things. And mm. I really appreciate you p- pushing people to look at their diet and look at the more physiological side of this disorder because it's beneficial for everyone whether you've got a disorder or not like having um having a good gut system Mm. it's huge huge and it affects the rest of your body so thank you for everything that you do as well i'm very grateful and
0: yeah listen when you have more time because uh, this is a it's a short podcast even though it's an hour when you have more time come on again because i want to talk to you about the band and more stuff. And I want to see exactly the next time we're chatting. Have you hugged your mother? Oh, you're amazing. Oh, There's- you're
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> we can't hug. They can't. Doesn't mean we shouldn't hug them.
1: We have I'm going to hug that cactus. I'm going to hug that cactus. And when I get hurt, I'll be thinking of you. Okay.
0: You get hurt. You're going to get hurt. But look, I know you're under pressure for time because you're in the middle of a uh, recording in a studio. Emily, thanks very much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much, John. And I will come back. Thank you again.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Be well. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye.